0: Hey everybody, this is Joanna Schaffner-Scott and you are listening to the Race in the Workplace podcast, a show for DEI organizational leaders that explores race, racism, and racial equity in the workplace. I am a racial equity consultant and founder of the Stamey Street Consulting Group, a consulting firm that specializes in partnering with organizations to help them meet their racial equity aspirations. My goal for you is to move your organization from being colorblind to equity-centered through sustainable step-by-step changes. Hi, it's Joanna Schaffner-Scott here. I am so excited to be with you today. Thank you for allowing me to join you in your day, no matter when you're listening. Today, I wanna talk to you a little bit about resistance. And I wanna talk about resistance in the context of Resistance to Your Racial Equity Strategy. This is a podcast for DEI practitioners. And oftentimes we are inside organizations and part of our job is to create a racial equity strategy or within teams to implement a racial equity approach. So I thought creating a podcast episode about how do you encounter resistance and how do you confront it would be helpful to folks who are DEI practitioners and or folks inside teams who are trying to move work forward inside their respective teams. So I wanna dig into that a little bit today. So let me start by creating a little bit of context around resistance and what exactly I mean by that. When I think about resistance, I think about highway obstacles so what comes to mind when I think about that are roadblocks so imagine you're driving on a highway it's summertime or the holiday season and you're going to visit friends and family and for the most part it's smooth sailing maybe you're on the highway you experience some slowdowns here and there but for the most part it's a smooth ride then you run into road work Two of the highway lanes are closed and all the traffic is being diverted into a single lane. The once moving traffic is now crawling. And in my mind, this is what resistance is like when you're trying to navigate it. And I say that from experience as well. And it can feel really frustrating when you're trying to move forward. You want to get to your destination and you've got to navigate roadwork or roadblocks in the form of roadwork. And so I wanted to talk about that a little bit today. So I want to start by maybe making resistance as a concept a little bit more concrete. So what I mean by resistance is the opportunity to make a decisive action. So maybe the moment requires a, a decisive action. And when that moment arises, the decision goes Unmade. So let me say that one more time. When a moment calls for decisive action, but folks who have the power to make the decision don't. And that can feel incredibly frustrating when you are the person either charged with the work or you're trying to move something forward inside a team. So, here are some examples of what resistance can look like. And let me say before I dig into these examples that resistance can look lots of different ways. I'm going to give you a few examples, but resistance can look a lot of different ways. So, let's dig into it. So, I'm going to use examples from my background because I have a public policy background and I've led public policy teams. So, I'm going to give examples from that area of work because I'm quite familiar with it and have experienced some of this, a lot of this, maybe all of this, I'm not gonna say, myself. Here's your first example. So a policy analyst who in their policy papers avoids talking about racism, the implications of racism in their work and they continually bring that same idea into team meetings. So maybe in meetings, they might say, I don't see color and they push back at every opportunity, and I mean everyone, to not support the team's racial equity aspirations. And this can be very challenging for folks who maybe really want to lift up that level of analysis in their work. OK, so the policy analyst is the first example. Second example, a director of communications who consistently edits out any analysis that explicitly names racism in your organization's communications And that can be super frustrating because if you have created a piece of work and you've lifted up a racial analysis in that work, for that to be edited out can be frustrating and painful sometimes. All right, third example, a vice president who sabotages your racial equity progress. They question the purpose behind doing race explicit work. They're constantly saying, we're going to lose this or we're going to lose that. And they refer to their usual way of working as being the best and most effective. They often name racial equity as evidence of, quote, woke culture inside the organization. So that can be, as I'm sure folks can imagine, incredibly frustrating as well. And this person in this vice president role is an active resistor. So they're more direct about their resistance to the importance of racial equity and certainly any organizational commitments. And the last example I'll give is a little bit more nuanced. So you have a team within the organization who talks all the right talk. They use all the right language, all the right framing. They affirm the organization's commitment. This could also be individuals, but I'm using it in the context of a team. They say all of the right things in all the right places in front of the right people. But when it comes time to doing, to taking that decisive action, making that decision, they don't. And that could be a person, as I said before, or it could be a team of people. So let's say you have a finance team and folks have indicated that doing their work in racially equitable ways can help with vendors, for example. They say all the right things, they affirm the importance of the commitment, yet they never make a change in practice. Therefore, your outcomes are the same. That's another way of resistance. It looks different because on the surface, it looks like support, but it's resistance in that when it's time to make hard decisions, the team or the person can't do it or won't make the decision, I mean. So I want to talk a little bit about how do you unpack resistance? because. I think that usually there is something underneath it that's really important. And I think that it's more important to figure out what's underneath it because I think we as practitioners have to confront resistance. I don't think we can just let it go. I think it has to be confronted and can't be ignored. And so I want to offer you some guidance around how to unpack it. And then I want to give you some strategies for how to confront it. Okay, so the key, I think, to unpacking resistance is to understand its cause. So what's underneath it? So if you're seeing resistance, so for example, if we go to my policy analyst example, my curiosity around that is what's underneath the resistance? Why is this person pushing back so hard. And that would be my starting place. That's my recommended start place. It's not an easy place, but that's my recommended start place. And I've found that resistance is most likely caused by fear. There is fear of being thought of as incompetent. Nobody wants to be thought of as incompetent, even if you are. You don't want to be thought of that way. And so that can really trigger feelings of insecurity and feelings of fear. Fear of being called out as a racist. That's another fear. Fear of loss of power, proximity to power, or privilege. So generally, folks who've been in organizations for a long time have found ways to navigate within that existing structure. Even if it's a messy structure, people find ways to navigate. And so a renewed focus around policies, practices, and protocols that a racial equity approach requires can create feelings of anxiety and fear for folks who benefit and have great privilege in the way things work already. And the last fear, I think, is a fear of learning something new. And that fear of learning something new can challenge an established mindset or an established worldview. So the idea that our thinking in that example, the fear underneath that, is a challenge to our thinking, which has become quite crystallized in some ways. And for folks who are experiencing this and that there's a fear that if I even open up to what these concepts are, it's going to change what I think and ultimately force me to change. So I think that is another fear that people tend to have. The second likely cause of resistance is what I call a perspective gap or a knowledge gap. And What that means is that the core concepts of racial equity and anti-racism are so far removed from a person's view of the world and how they navigate it that they don't really know how to close that gap. The same is true around knowledge, that sometimes there can be a gap in what's needed, the knowledge that's needed, and what the person actually has and that gap can feel so wide and can contribute to what i think is also fear but can contribute to resistance all right i feel like once you understand what the cause is it's easier to confront it okay last well i say last cause but there's not really a last like there's lots of causes but it's the last one i'll focus on in this episode which is a lack of courage and I find that a lack of leadership can result in a failure to adapt to a new landscape. And whether leaders like it or not, they very much set the tone and the environment of organizations. And so a lack of courage is a failure to act when action is needed. And I see this one among leaders a lot. And I think there can be something underneath a lack of courage too. So for example, I think a lot of times there's perfectionism under a lack of courage of I'm afraid of getting it wrong. I'm not brave enough to make a mistake, like that kind of thing. But it doesn't make the resistance less frustrating. And so there are a couple of blog posts that I've written in the past around this. Like, There's one that I wrote on when racial equity moves too slowly and how that can damage staff morale. And there's another one that I wrote about when your leader focuses on the trivial and you need them to focus on big things and how to help a leader move through that. But I think, again, it's always coming back to what's underneath So yes, even when encountering leaders that lack courage, there's a reason for that. And sometimes every reason can't be overcome, but it's important that we acknowledge that and try to confront it, at least as our initial effort. Okay, so I wanna talk about two things that happens when resistance isn't confronted. So two things tend to happen. Number one, either work doesn't happen so whatever that important thing is or whatever that necessary thing is doesn't happen or other staff compensate for the gap. And so what that does is it creates a disparity in the expectations in that team or on that project. Usually when there's a gap, it's filled by staff who support the commitment or living within the organizational commitment. Often this is staff of color, though not always, And this imbalance in expectations, meaning there's been an expectation that's been shared around incorporating a racial equity approach, but we're not all living into it in the same way and we're not all executing it in the same way. And the expectation is different across members of staff around who's going to execute and who's not, or who can execute and who can't. And those gaps, that can lead to resentment across members of the team. And that is not sustainable for as long as people are given a pass that they don't have to live into the commitment. They don't have to execute. They don't have to perform in ways that reflect a racial equity commitment or the organizational's racial equity commitment. It's not sustainable. As long as that is allowed to occur, it's not sustainable. The second thing that I've seen happen when staff resist is that sometimes people leave an organization and I think that's okay. I think that sometimes those gaps, either in knowledge or perspective, are too wide. They're just too wide. And I think that's okay. I think it's okay. And I think it can be better for the team. I think it can be better for the person to go to a place where, their values more closely aligned, I think that's fine. But I think sometimes leaders don't think it's fine and really struggle with the idea that everybody's not gonna make this journey with us. And so I think that is something that happens. And like I said, I think it's okay. So I wanna lift up four strategies that you can use to manage resistance within teams. All right. Number one, figure out what's underneath the resistance. This is a hard one because often our default is Jane is a racist. John is a racist. They just don't get it. That can be true. That can very well be true. But it also could be true that maybe they are afraid of something. Maybe they're afraid of being incompetent, looking incompetent. Maybe there's a gap in perspective or knowledge, or maybe they do lack courage. Or maybe they are racist. I don't know. But I'm just saying that you've got to figure out what's underneath that initial resistance because usually there's more there. Secondly, identify how to support the person who's resisting. What kind of support can the organization offer to this person? I believe two things. I believe that organizations who make equity commitments should also Make equity a core component of performance expectations. And I also believe that anytime there has been a shift in performance expectations, there should also be an opportunity to grow and learn. So I think anytime there's a shift in what the expectation is of staff, there should also be a learning opportunity and an opportunity for growth. And so I always find that it's helpful to work with the person and show them that many of the same skills that they've used in other areas of work are applicable when thinking about racial equity. Not everything is a match match for match, but certainly there are some things that maybe the person has excelled in in other areas that can be used in this area. But either way, think about how to support the resistant person. Number three reaffirm the organization's values around racial equity. So I find that organizations that really struggle with resistance often don't have a clear why. They often don't have performance expectations. Again, the commitments expectations aren't clear. So I think once an organization can adopt expectations around performance that connect back to the mission, that can help a person understand more clearly what's expected of them. Now, if the person continues to resist, they reject the support, maybe that's not the right place for them. But to offer that support and make it structural, I think is really important. The last strategy that you can use to manage resistance is to shift project tasks. So this piece of guidance is really important. So if you're multitasking, come back to the conversation. If there's a work project on the table that requires an explicit race analysis, the team leadership may need to pull back this person's involvement if the person's resisting because participating in the project without support not only is unhelpful to the progress of the project, but it's also very demoralizing for staff. And I find that this calls in a greater question around capacity, skill, and capability to do the work. So it really becomes a performance issue And I think it's okay to say there's a mismatch here. I think what's not okay is to expect the other staff on the project or other staff in the organization to bring this person along. I think that's inequitable and I think it's unfair. So what I wanted to do today was to share four ways to confront resistance to your racial equity strategy. And before I wrap up this episode, there are a couple of things that I want to note One of the reasons that it's important to confront resistance, not to ignore it, but to confront it, is that there are elements of adopting a racial equity approach, many elements that are adaptive, meaning there is a need to figure it out, sort out the why. And there's not an easy, quick, here's the answer to this question. They're not always short, prescriptive answers. But being on the journey, one aspect of it is a willingness to be open to new ideas, to new ways of working, and a willingness to adapt. And I think those are important features that can make the work within teams more sustainable and certainly within organizations more sustainable. All right, so I hope that you have found a nugget or two in this episode. Like I said, I find that it's critically important to always look at what's underneath resistance, what's driving it, because then you can think about what's a strategy to confront it. That's this week's episode of Race in the Workplace. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast and share it with a friend who may be a DEI professional who can use these strategies in their work. My hope for the podcast is that it reaches every person who needs it. Until next time, take care.